like we're in Sifim, uh, and I want to uh, really appreciate uh, the work of Rob, and I know that Lori put in a lot of work, and all of the so-called officers of the temple in uh, kind of pivoting really quickly to figure out a way that we can do what hopefully feels like Sashin while staying safe. And uh, also really changing our plans radically, very quickly. Uh, I really, I just, I, I'm very moved by how gracefully we can do that. We've had a lot of experience in the last three years, but still, like every time, it's kind of like, uh, all of a sudden we're lost in the woods again. But uh, here we are. Rohatsu Sishin is uh, when we celebrate the Buddha's enlightenment, and ordinarily we would have a Buddha's enlightenment ceremony on, uh, on the last day of Sashin, we're not going to do that uh, for the sake of safety. We're not going to be chanting as such in the Zendo. Uh, and alas, we're not going to be prancing about and throwing raining flowers on each other the way we would ordinarily do for Buddhist enlightenment. Uh, nonetheless, what we're doing here for the next, for these seven days is uh, we're celebrating Buddhist enlightenment by practicing Buddhist enlightenment. Uh, because at the heart of the the teaching of our school, as it was transmitted from Dogen through all the generations to Suzuki Roshi, to Soten Roshi, and to us, is the inseparability of practice and realization. Um, doesn't always feel that way, doesn't always feel like enlightenment, but we are assured that it is. And what we're going to do this week, uh, my lectures are going to uh, be on Fukan Zazeni, uh, Dogen's uh, universal recommendation for Zazen, 
and um, explore what he says in his text, what some of the context of it is, and what it means to us. So that's the uh, that's my plan, uh, and there may be there'll be uh, I know that Jerry's going to give a talk on on Wednesday, and I may invite somebody else to give a talk. We'll see. Um, but my talks are going to be on Fukan Sazengi. Um, I was looking today uh, in the Abbott's office, I pulled out two volumes of Dogen. Uh, one is Lunar uh, Dewdrop, which doesn't have but Lunar Dewdrop has is Zazegi, not Fukan Zazegi. And I'll talk about these these different uh, texture recensions in, in, a, in a little while. But um, Zazengi is in Lunar Dewdrop, and uh, Fukan Zazengi is in the volume that uh, Kastana Ashi assembled called uh, Enlightenment Unfolds. And when you look, I was going to bring them, but I can't show you. Uh, uh, the uh, Sojin's uh, volumes of these is like completely uh, awash in his, uh, his very tiny pencil notes, just all over, just like, it's like every word is uh, underlined and annotated. Uh, and you can see how deeply he studied this over the years. So what I'd like to do to begin, what, what I planned to do actually was to, for our noon service, to break Fukan Sasengi into two pieces and to, to chant it one half one day, one half another day, and then uh, repeat that over the course of the week. Huh? Yes? So, um, rather than do that, uh, you all have printed copies of it, is that right? So, what I'd like to do is I, would, I will read it out loud, and you can follow along at, in silently. Uh, read it to yourself and pay attention to it. And this, we won't do this every day, but I, I wanted to start out by doing it. That's okay. The way is basically perfect and all-pervading. How could it be contingent upon practice and realization? The Dharma vehicle is free and untrammeled. What need is there for concentrated effort? Indeed, the whole body is far beyond the world's dust. Who could believe in a means to brush it clean? It is never apart from one, right where one is. 
What is the use of going off here and there to practice? And yet, if there's the slightest discrepancy, the way is as distant as heaven from earth. If the least like or dislike arises, the mind is lost in confusion. Suppose one gains pride of understanding and inflates one's own enlightenment, glimpsing the wisdom that runs through all things, attaining the way and clarifying the mind, raising an aspiration to escalate the very sky. One is making the initial partial excursions about the frontiers, but is still somewhat deficient in the vital way of total emancipation. Need I mention the Buddha who was possessed of inborn knowledge? The influence of his six years of upright sitting is noticeable still. Or Bodhidharma's transmission of the mind seal. Fame of his nine years also is celebrated to this day. Since this was the case with the saints of old, how can we today dispense with negotiation of the way? You should therefore cease from practice based on intellectual understanding, pursuing words and following after speech, and learn the backward step that turns your light inwardly to illuminate yourself. Body and mind of themselves will drop away and your original face will be manifest. If you want to attain suchness, you should practice suchness without delay. For Sanzen or Zazen, a quiet room is suitable. Eat and drink modestly, moderately. Cast aside all involvements and cease all affairs. Do not think good or bad. Do not administer pros and cons. Cease all the movements of the conscious mind, the gauging of all thoughts and views. Have no designs on being a Buddha. Sazen has nothing whatever to do with sitting or lying down. At the site of your regular sitting, spread out thick matting and place a cushion above it. Sit either in the full lotus or half lotus position. In the full lotus position, you first place your right foot on your left thigh and your left foot on your right thigh. In the half lotus, you simply press your left foot against your right thigh. You should have your robes and belt loosely bound and arranged in order. Then place your right hand on your left leg and your left palm facing upwards on your right palm, thumb tips touching. Thus, sit upright in correct bodily posture, neither inclining to the left nor to the right, either leaning forward or backward. Be sure your ears are on a plane with your shoulders and your nose in line with your navel. Place your tongue against the front roof of your mouth with teeth and lips both shut. Your eyes should always remain open and you should breathe gently through your nose. Once you have adjusted your posture, take a deep breath, inhale and exhale. Rock your body right and left 
and settle into a steady, immobile sitting position. Think of not thinking. How do you think of not thinking? Non-thinking. This in itself is the essential part of zazen. The zazen I speak of is not learning meditation. It is simply the dharma gate of repose and bliss, the practice realization of totally culminated enlightenment. It's the manifestation of ultimate reality. Traps and snares can never reach it. Once its heart is grasped, you are like the dragon when he gains the water, like the tiger when she enters the mountain. For you must know that just there in Zazen, the right Dharma is manifesting itself, and that from the first, dullness and distractions are, set, are struck aside. When you arise from sitting, move slowly and quietly, calmly and deliberately. Do not rise suddenly or abruptly. In surveying the past, we find that transcendence of both unenlightenment and enlightenment and dying while either sitting or standing have all depended entirely on the strength of sasa. In addition, the bringing about of enlightenment by the opportunity provided by a finger, a banner, a needle, or a mallet, and the effecting of realization with the aid of a hosu, a fist, a staff, or a shout, cannot be fully understood by discriminative thinking. Indeed, it cannot be fully known by the practicing or realizing of supernatural powers either. It must be deportment beyond seeing and hearing. Is it not a principle that is prior to knowledge and perceptions? This being the case, intelligence or lack of it does not matter. Between the dull and the sharp-witted, there is no distinction. If you concentrate your effort single-mindedly, that in itself is negotiating the way. Practice realization is naturally undefiled. Going forward in practice is a matter of everydayness. In general, this world and other worlds as well, both in India and China, equally hold the Buddha seal. And overall prevails the character of this school, which is simply devotion to sitting, total engagement in the immobile sitting, Although it is said that there are as many minds as there are persons, still, they all negotiate the way solely in Zaza. Why leave behind the seat that exists in your home and go aimlessly off to the dusty realms of other lands? If you make one misstep, you go astray from the way directly before you. You have gained the pivotal opportunity of human form. Do not use your time in vain. You are maintaining the essential working of the Buddha way. Who would take wasteful delight in the spark from the flintstone? Besides, form and substance are like the dew on the grass. Destiny 
like the dart of lightning, emptied in an instant, vanished in a flash. Please, honored followers of Zen, long accustomed to groping for the elephant, do not be suspicious of the true dragon. Devote your energies to a way that directly indicates the absolute. Revere the person of complete attainment who is beyond all agency. Gain accord with the enlightenment of the Buddhas. Succeed to the legitimate lineage of the ancestors' samadhi. Constantly perform in such a manner, and you are assured of being a person such as they. Your treasure store will open of itself, and you will use it at will. wonderful to read and take that in. And each time I hear it, something new strikes me. Uh, today, this line just leapt out at me. We'll, we'll come back to cover a lot of this, but just um, this line towards the end where it says, you are maintaining the essential working of the Buddha way. That's what I mean by the fact that we are we're practicing Buddhist enlightenment and actually we're doing it together. Those of us in the Zendo and uh, those of you in Zoomland, uh, we are we're actually practicing. If you think uh, another wonderful an important fascicle of tokens that we that we study uh, often is uh, Genjo Koan. And at the end of Genjo Koan, there's this wonderful story about uh, Master Baoche, who is fanning himself. Uh, and he fans himself in response to the student's inquiry about uh, the nature of uh, Buddha nature per penetrating or uh, just pervading our atmosphere, and Master Baoche keeps fanning. Uh, and that fanning is another way of expressing that we are maintaining essential working of the Buddha way. It takes, in order to maintain it, in order to sustain it, both in the world and for ourselves, uh, we need to, to act. And our zazen, our participation in practice is, is our acting. It's our way of maintaining that for ourselves and for everyone else. So, let's take a breath here.
So Fukan Zazengi is really the, the source of our nuts and bolts instruction uh, for Zazen. And it's also framed in this uh, the context of Dogen's uh, philosophy and spiritual vision. Um, so there are a couple of I want to I want to give you background. on these texts, on that, that text and, and others. But first, just some very basic background about Dogen, which many of you know, but some of you don't. Um, Dogen was born uh, in the year 1200 uh, into an aristocratic family. Uh, and when he was two years old, his father died. And when he was seven years old, his mother died. And the story is that as he sat with his mother's body, uh, he noticed that the incense smoke was rising and curling and disappearing into the air. And for him, that was, even as a child, a vision of impermanence and there arose the idea that he wanted to be a monk, a Buddhist monk. So he left home and at the age of 13, uh, he joined a, a Tendai monastery. And Tendai was the largest, largest school. And it was a, quite an eclectic school that included meditation, devotional practices, and pretty, uh, pretty rigorous austerities as well. Uh, and his uncle had been a priest there. After a short while, uh, when he was practicing in the Tendai school, there, the doctrine in the Tendai school was a doctrine of original enlightenment. Um, So that's the term in Japanese is Hongaku uh, Shisho. And it was very influential in Tendai. And it implied or it said that basically everything was a manifestation of Buddha nature. Therefore, everything was enlightened. All beings, all creatures, uh, all natural manifestations, uh, wall tiles, rubble, is famously described in, in, in some of Dogen's texts, texts. So this was the doctrine that he was, that he was taught and uh, a doubt surfaced in him. And he asked, uh, if all people are endowed with Buddha nature, as the sutras teach, why is it that we have to train so strenuously to realize that Buddha nature? I'm sure some, some of us have asked that question ourselves. Um, and his Tendai teacher 
was unable to answer satisfactorily and uh, suggested to Dogen that maybe he should go find a Zen teacher because they might be better at answering those questions. So he left um, the Tendai Monastery and uh, came to Master Asai, who was uh, who had brought Rinzai Zen from China to Japan. Uh, and Dogen brought this question to Asai, and Asai said, all the Buddhas in the three times of past, present, and future are unaware that they are endowed with Buddha nature. But cats and oxen are well aware of it. <laughs> um, this is saving to, to mean that Buddhas, precisely because they are Buddhas, no longer think of having or not having Buddha nature. Only the animal-like or grossly deluded think in terms of acquiring enlightenment. I think this is slander on the animals, frankly. But uh, I don't know whether they worry about being enlightened or not enlightened, but we do. We surely do. Uh, so hearing this, Dogen decided to become Asai's disciple. But unfortunately, Asai died the following year. And Dogen began studying with his uh, Asai's disciple, prime disciple, Myozen. And he studied Myozen and they studied together for nine years. And they both decided to go to China uh, to seek a true teacher. At this point, Dogen was 23. So in, uh, in China, Dogen practiced in several monasteries and uh, didn't find what he was looking for until he came uh, to find his true teacher, Rujing or Tendo Yojo. Uh, and while he was sitting at Ruting's monastery, uh, Ruting was doing the morning greeting, as I did this morning. Uh, and one of the monks was asleep. And Dogen heard Ruching scolding the monk, saying, uh, the practice of zazen is a dropping away of body and mind. What do you expect to accomplish by single-minded sleeping? Uh, and this is often, you know, we've had the case of, but we don't carry the stick really anymore, which I sort of regret. I think some of you regret, some of you celebrate. Uh -huh. But one of the great effects of the, of the stick was, you know, you, someone could be, could receive the stick across the room and you hear that great snap. And on the other side of the room, you woke up. So that's what happened to Dogen. Uh, Dogen had an awakening experience when he heard these words. And 
after he settled himself, he went to Rudin's room and he offered incense and bowed. Rudin said, why are you doing this? And Dogen said, body and mind have been dropped. That's why I have come. And it's a longer story, but Rudin approved. And Dogen continued practicing there for two years. Uh, and uh, a little later, after he was really settling his his own awakening in practice, Dogen asked Rujing, what is the mind of a bodhisattva? Rujing replied, it is soft, flexible mind. Dogen asked, what is soft, flexible mind? Rujing replied, it is the willingness to let go of body and mind. And I think this, to me, this, um, this is resonant with what Carol Paul was talking about yesterday in her, her excellent talk on renunciation. That, as we'll see, I think, as we study Fukunso Zengi, that dropping body and mind is not an action that you can consciously or intentionally do. And yet you have to point yourself in that general direction. Body and mind drop off of themselves when they are ready. But it's your practice and intent, intention and attention that help create the circumstances very much like the metaphor we often use of uh, around the birth of a baby chick that when that time is right the chick is ready to be born it's pecking from the inside of the egg and the mother hen is tapping from the outside. So they're working in coordination to bring about this opening, to bring about this birth. Uh, and so we can think of dropping body mind as having those we can see it from each individual side, or we can see it as a whole, as a whole activity from both sides of us. Uh, but in order to do that, uh, we must have this soft, flexible mind. Token returned to China uh, after Miozen also died in China, unfortunately. And he returned to Japan in 1227 uh, to share what he had absorbed from Ruching and what he had absorbed of the, the Chinese uh, 
tradition that we now call, we call Soto Zen. Dogen was reluctant to even put a name on uh, or to uh, align himself directly with a school, but it's what has evolved into the Soto school for us. Uh, and in that period, he began writing. Uh, and he began writing the, the Fukan Zazengi. Uh, and it's a work that he revised throughout throughout his life. Uh, he kept revising it. We, you know, it's we think of it as something that was composed kind of early, but actually the final recension of it seems to appear about 1242 or 1243, which is uh, really in his mature period when he had uh, moved from Kyoto to Echizen uh, province and began to build what we know of as AAG. So we'll come back to this principle of dropping body and mind uh, and other elements of that Dogen articulates here, practice realization, uh, shikantaza. We'll, we'll come up, up against that. But Dogen was not working, I just want to make it clear, Dogen was not working from a blank slate uh, that the when you look at Zazengi, when you look at Fukan Zazengi, uh, what you see is that it is, uh, it's resonant with earlier texts. Uh, and the principal ones is uh, a text called the Zuo Chanyi uh, by Tsumche which dates from about the early 1100s. And, you know, I have, I've been reading that and it's, it's very much, it's very similar, except there, you know, there's a few nuances and it's also devoid of all the kind of philosophical material. That's the stuff that, that Dogen uh, really places his zazen instruction in the context of. Uh, and there's also another version of this, there's a text called Shobogenzo Zazenki, which Dogen was, was, seems to have been composed in 1243, which again is, is very much like the Zuochani. It's, it's quite a bit more succinct and doesn't have a lot of the, well, it doesn't have the stories, it doesn't have the philosophical context that uh, we find in, in Gunza Zengi. So, uh, maybe we'll start, we'll see if we can get through the first paragraph before we have to end today. The first paragraph is, the, is kind of, it's like the whole deal. Uh, 
Uh, oh, that's great. You have the text, so you can read it, actually. It's great. Um, the, ba the way is basically perfect and all-pervading. How could it be contingent upon practice and realization? The Dharma vehicle is free and untrammeled. What need is there for concentrated effort? Indeed, the whole body is far beyond the world's dust. Who could believe in a means to brush it clean? It's never apart from one, right where one is. What's the use of going off here and there to practice? So the first two sentences are the essence of Soto Zen. The way is basically perfect and all pervading. How could it be contingent upon practice and realization? So to me, if the way is perfect and all pervading, then what we're doing here is simply harmonizing with it, simply aligning ourselves with that way. And uh, Dogen uses the term in one of his other explications of Sazan, uh, we're doing something very straightforward and it's physical. We are manifesting Buddha Mudra. That is uh, putting our body into the posture of Buddha. You know, if it's even if we're sitting in a chair, even if we're lying down, we are maintaining the upright posture of Buddha, uh, you know, it's like Buddha, live like him, you know, uh, we live like him by actually putting our body into that same form. And when we put our body into that same, into that yogic form, something happens, something that we can't actually put into words but it happens to each of us in our own way. Then you have the second sentence. How could it be contingent upon practice and realization? That is, um, that's the heart of Soto Zen to me practice realization that um, the term in, in Japanese is uh, shuso ito uh, and shu means practice sho means realization uh, means realization as the, as the fruition of practice and ito means the one oneness and equality so the oneness and equality of practice and realization. That 
is um, a radical perspective uh, that's not unique to Dogen, it's not unique to Soto, but he seems to be, to me, he's the kind of the primary advocate for it. Uh, and we, but we see it throughout as a strain, as a, as a kind of dialogical strain in uh, Chinese and Japanese Buddhism. You have, you have these two approaches that are not in contradiction, uh, but they're, there's, they're emphases, you know, so you have uh, the Rinzai approach, which, which calls for um, for a kind of breakthrough as uh, a necessary stage of the path of sort of fulfilling one's practice. Uh, and then you have uh, the silent illumination school, which evolved and was most clearly articulated by Hongzhu, uh, who many of us have read, and his, uh, he was, I think, two generations before Rujin, who was in his lineage. And you have these, you know, they have these barbs being thrown back and forth, dating from the Song dynasty, if not earlier, and has some of you are aware it's still happening today, you know, it's like, so you have the, the Soto school, the, the practice realization or, or a silent illumination school, and you have the Rinzai approach, which is, uh, uh, on introspection, uh, designed to kind of unlock you. And, you know, so the, the critique, the Rinzai critique of the Soto school is, uh, you know, silent illumination that's like sitting like a lump on a log, not doing anything. You know, it's just pointless laziness. And then the Soto critique of the Rinzai school is, uh, oh, it's all gaining idea. It's gaining idea, you know, just, you know getting something, getting a thing called enlightenment. So these are all polemics, frankly. Uh, actually, we need the energy that's drawn from, from both. Uh, and so, Dogen never contradicts the need for uh, an energetic practice. But what it looks like is subject to our interpretation. So how could it be contingent? The way is basically perfect and all pervading. How could it be contingent upon practice and realization? That's, that's an interesting, there's an interesting question there. Uh, because it seems to 
be a critique of practice and realization, uh, I think what, what he's saying, however, is that how can it be contingent upon our separation of those two aspects? How can it be contingent upon practice towards realization or practice for the sake of realization? Uh, that if the way is basically perfect and all pervading, then practice and realization are one thing. The Dharma vehicle is free and untrammeled, which means it's not, it's not dualistic. It can't be separated into uh, pure and unpure, impure. What need is there for concentrated effort? That's was Dogen's question to his uncle. You know, if, if the way is basically per, uh, perfect and all-pervading, uh, why do we have to practice? What need is there for concentrated effort? Indeed, the whole body is far beyond the world's dust. Who could believe in a means to brush it clean? So this is, as probably many of you recognize, this is a reference to uh, a famous poetry contest that took place uh, in the early Tang Dynasty. Uh, and the fifth ancestor, Hongzhen, uh, asked his students to write a verse to determine who was going to inherit the robe and the bowl. And uh, the head monk, Shenshu, said, this body is the Bodhi tree. The mind is like a bright mirror on a stand. Constantly strive to brush it clean. Do not allow dust to collect. So that's the side of cultivation. And Huineng, uh, who became the sixth ancestor, responded. And he said, basically, Bodhi is not a tree. Neither does the mind mirror have a stand. From the first, there is not a single thing. So where can dust collect? Now, that's the side of the way is perfect, all-pervading. Uh, and he won the contest. Uh, however, I think this is where and this is where I'll stop today and leave time. Yikes, leave time for a few questions. Um, to my point of view, and I think there's, there's something in Suzuki Roshi that speaks to this. To me, the entirety, the wholeness of our practice is the 
interpenetration of Huineng and Chen Chu's perspective. That one without the other is not complete. One was perhaps more brilliant and incisive and pointing to fundamental, but the fact of the matter is that unless you're a spiritual genius, a unique spiritual genius like Huineng seemed to be, you have to do something. You have to do something. So here we are, first day of doing something. And I, I hope that we will keep on and uh, continue to we'll have fun exploring this text. But let me, so let me stop here and see if, if you have any thoughts or questions. Yeah, Lori. Uh, well, this is on, under the topic of having a line jump out at you. Um, it has never jumped out before. And then also along the line of the barbs between the Vinzai and so So I, I was hearing this saying, suppose one gains pride of understanding it. This is sort of like, suppose you have a Kenjo experience. Right. Well, you're making the initial partial excursions about the frontiers. You know, I just sort of, I just heard that, like, oh, you're, you're sort of, he doesn't say it's wrong to have a Kento experience, it's almost like worse. It's like, yeah, you're sort of getting in the door there, maybe, but, you know, you're somewhat deficient <laughs> in the vital wit. Anyway, I don't have a question, I just... Right, well, I think that, um, whether that's true or not, I think that's a critique of, I think, some of the arrogance that he may have seen in people who were uh, who had certain position based on certain experiences and what you know what we've seen you know to me it's not these experiences are are really meaningful uh but they're only meaningful if we use them one teacher said to me uh, a long time ago, he said, we take these experiences and we plow them back into the soil of practice to enrich the soil, to make it something that is, that bears fruit more effectively. And I think that's, that's what I believe Dogen was, was critiquing the, uh, a kind of monastic arrogance that was not uh, plowing it back into the soil. Yeah. I find the imagery of the animals very moving, the tiger taking to the mountains and the water, uh, the dragon on the water and the, the true dragon. I was curious if you had any thoughts about that imagery in particular and any other associations that might have been in Dogen's mind around the meaning of a dragon or a tiger. Okay, you gotta wait till day three or four. <laughs> Just be patient. We'll get there. Yeah, there's there's some specific stories and references to that, and I have my own feelings about it. But you know, essentially it's 
he's talking about beings that are at ease in their environment, that just are naturally functioning in their environment, in, in harmony with their environment. But there's specific stories that relate to that. So there's a way in which in Zazen we have a natural kind of being. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say yes, and it's like all the other things that you know we read in these lists of practices and, and teachings that say like the paramitas. So the paramitas are the natural functioning of bodhisattvas. That's what bodhisattvas do. Now, for us. They are practices that call for our cultivation. You know, we are we are on the bodhisattva path, so we have to have we have to apply ourselves. We have to remind ourselves, which is what uh, the word sati or smriti, mindfulness, means. Just to remind ourselves of these values to keep ourselves uh, on the path and moving towards that naturalness. Should look online. Anyone? Yes, Nathan. Thank you, Hazan. Um, I'm I'm curious if you have any thoughts on the. Um, I don't have the text in front of me, but it seemed like it said something to the effect of Zazed has nothing to do with sitting or lying down. Right before giving very specific instructions about the physical position of the body um, for Zazed. Right. Um, yeah, and we'll, we'll get to that also. I think that what he's, what he's getting at is that Zazen is not about learning meditation. It's about doing meditation. Uh, and that the that that the or doing or practicing, which can manifest itself in any posture, in any position in one's life, and I feel like that's what we're what we're doing here is not learning how to sit cross-legged anywhere we go, right? What we're learning is uh, we are. In this laboratory, it's the way I think about it, of the uh, of the Zendo doing this practice, so that we can actually really deeply embody it and carry it wherever we go. So it's not it's not about the posture itself, but we have to learn the posture in order to uh, participate in our self-regulation. So it's time for maybe one more. I'm either either out there or in here. Let's see who is. Jerry Hernando. Oh, Jerry. I was interested in this uh, what need is there for concentrated effort. Uh, the whole body is uh, is far beyond the little dust. 
by concentrated effort, um, as we do talk about concentration yes. as part of our zazen practice, yes. is this concentration that he's alluding to uh, mental activity or intellectual activity that is, that is distinguishing you know, and analyzing more? That kind of concentration, in, in other words, a thought comes up and, uh, and it, or a feeling comes up, you can notice it, um, but you don't hold on to it so that it doesn't become just. Right. I think that here, in, in what you're reading, and I think what's implied there is that Concentration implies an object, generally. Uh, so it has a specificity. And that then naturally moves in the direction of a gaining idea. So concentration, so two points about that. One is that Zazen, to me, and I think as it's been taught by our teachers, Zazen is not fundamentally a concentration practice. There are Buddhist practices that are, you know, you do concentration and then you do insight. You do samadhi, you do uh, uh, shamatha vipassana. Uh, and what he's saying is that uh, it's not a concentration practice. Uh, concentration is an element. If you think of the Eightfold Path, concentration is one element of the Eightfold Path. It's not the whole of the path. Um, and the other thing I would say is that uh, this soft, flexible mind that, that Eugene spoke of, uh, what it suggests to me I use the expression, and I don't know where it came from, but that our method in Zazen is concentrate on everything. You know, which basically means to me, that's just, that's just my words. You know, these are my words for myself. It means just open yourself to whatever's happening. So there's something grinding out there, there's an electric drill over there, there's a bird over there. All these, these things are drawing my attention one at a time, and I'm letting go of them. Uh, so it's opening your mind rather than doing what is a, what's, what's often, you know, a very traditional kind of practice of uh, single-pointed attention. You know, so to focus on your koan single-pointedly, or to focus on the light from a candle. And what he's saying is that that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to really align ourselves. Again, as I said at the beginning, align ourselves with the nature of reality, which means being open to it. So that's where we'll end. Thank you. <laughs>